1: Big bank, small bank, I like to make money,
2: all right? That is the ultimate kibosh.
1: You wanna bet? <laughs> <laughs> and we are under.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL Fantasy Flex episode of the award winning Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the show. I'm Matthew Freeman, the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs. And here with me are Sean Corner and Chris Raymond. Sean is the Action Network director of Predictive Analytics. Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network, and they are two of the best fantasy football rankers in the world. This episode, we are highlighting the players at the top of our week 10 rankings in our fantasy tool at the Action Network. We are discussing the guys who we are high and low on and looking at how they do in our fantasy labs models. And we we're speculating on some player props. And joining us for his first time on the show is Ben Gretsch, who each week writes the excellent Stealing Signals newsletter, which you can subscribe to via his sub stack. Ben, how's it going?
1: Doing good. Glad to to be here with you guys. Start getting out early. I I write signals every week on Mondays and Tuesdays, which is a big review column. So I'm not usually looking ahead this early in the week, but it's exciting to get an early jump on it.
0: Yeah. You know what else is exciting? The best DFS contest ever. How about that segue? The Action Network Podcast Tournament of Champions. Presented by BetMGM. It is a free custom tournament on Yahoo for our listeners. You can join by clicking the link in the show description each week. The top 10 finishers get over $1,000 in Action Network prizes. The top five finishers punch their ticket to the wildcard weekend grand finale where they compete for the grand prize. A Las Vegas trip for two valued at $5,000 courtesy of BetMGM. Again, listeners can join for free every week. Click on the link in the episode description to join. Ben, let's talk about the quarterbacks at the top of the rankings. We have as our top three Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen. Do you see it any differently at the top of the board?
1: No, no. I think this week kind of starts and maybe not ends, but certainly starts with that Buffalo at Arizona matchup. You know, we have Josh Allen, we have Kyler Murray. Uh, we have two teams that run. Ten personnel, four wide receiver sets, uh, more than any other team in teams in the league. They run, they they've both run over 100 plays, about 20 percent of their snaps, uh, out of ten personnel. There's only one other team over 20 plays all season, and it's Tampa Bay at 50. So these guys are way out and above uh, in in ten personnel usage, and and four wide usage in general. Uh, we know Buffalo loves to pass heavy on early downs. Their their pass rate over expectations is very high. Arizona plays very fast. They're, they're not necessarily a pass heavy over expectation team, but they're going to play fast. So this is a game that you got to love both quarterbacks. You got to love the, the total, the, the atmosphere in the, in the game entirely.
0: All right. So you have those three guys at the top of the board. Uh, are there some quarterbacks in particular that you think you might be high on relative to expectations or relative to what might be consensus across the industry as we move into the week?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it, it, I start and, 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 Right now, with with these elite quarterbacks, um, one that I'm a little bit higher on right now uh, is is Lamar Jackson, and it, it's a it's a matter of expectation. I think if you are still expecting Lamar Jackson to be a top two quarterback like he was in draft season, then you're you're probably missing the boat here. I don't think he's even in the top tier or particularly close to it right now but he has only played two games that have finished within 14 points all season. The Ravens have been a part uh, of a bunch of blowouts last week. They had the the long defensive touchdown that helped uh, them sort of coast to a win. Uh, the Colts weren't doing a whole lot. I think as we get a little bit more variance in their outcomes uh, and if the Patriots can at least make this a little bit competitive in Foxborough, we will see more uh, aggressiveness from Lamar. Now they've been a lot less aggressive this year, but those two games that have been reasonably close, he's had two of his better games of the entire season. So that is something that I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm leaning to to Kyler, Russ, Allen. You know, Aaron Rodgers has a very high team total. The, the guys that have been productive.
0: All right, so this is good. Uh, we're we're going to be, I think, on opposite sides here uh, a little bit because I'm, I mean, you know, a lot of respect for Lamar, but I'm low on Lamar Jackson this week. And, but I think we're actually – pretty aligned on where we see him. It's just, I have him at number seven. I think there might be some people who have him in the top five this week. And I just, I can't go there uh, given the excellent matchups that some of these other quarterbacks have. And I'm going to say literally the same thing about Lamar uh, this week that I said last week and in the week before that, he's just not as dynamic as a runner this year as he was last year. Uh, and he hasn't progressed as a passer. And then that offense is playing slower and they're scoring fewer touchdowns overall. I mean, Ben, as you put it, you know, people who are thinking of Lamar as a locked in, top two guy. Uh, they're going to be disappointed. I'm kind of looking at him in that way and, and taking the negative approach of he's not a top two guy. He's probably not a, a top five guy. So he's someone I am relatively low on this week, but uh, you are relatively high on him. It will be interesting to, to see how this, this shakes out. Sean, I'm going to give you the first bite of the juicy, juicy apple here. Who
2: are you relatively high on? So I'm pretty high on Jared Goff this week. Uh, he opens my week 10 projections as my QB seven. Um, you know, he's coming off that brutal four turnover game at Miami. That was before their buy. Uh, but I see him bouncing back in a big way against Seattle. Uh, you know, they've allowed the most fantasy points against opposing quarterbacks. Um, the, the total for this game, I believe it's the highest of the week at 55 and a half. So this is likely going to be a shootout. And one of the downsides of Goff is his passing touchdowns are pretty low. But this week, I think the scoring environment sets up for a two to three touchdown game. And plus, it's super easy to stack him with either Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, or both. Uh, You know, those guys are a target funnel. So he's easily stackable in GPPs. And the other guy, it's pretty obvious, but Josh Allen at QB2. I just think he's back to being, you know, the sky-high ceiling Josh Allen. I think, you know, with John Brown out the past few games, that could have been why he, he tended to struggle a bit. But John Brown looks fully healthy again, and no coincidence we saw a massive game from Josh Allen. Uh, ben alluded to earlier, but this this Buffalo-Arizona game is, you know, DFS heaven. So I'll be stacking this game heavily um, and having a ton of Josh Allen. I think we're back to having him being, you know, just elite ceiling Josh Allen.
3: Raybon, who are you relatively high on? Uh, Two guys, uh, Jake Luton, you know, for the Jags making another start here. Uh, This game has a, like a 14 point uh, spread in favor of the Packers. So you're going to get some play from behind from Luton. He was willing to throw the ball down the field in his first start. uh, Average depth of target of, 8.5. And uh, that's a lot better than Gardner Minshew, who is thrown underneath a lot more. So uh, I think even if it comes kind of in a little bit in garbage time, uh, Luton could be valuable, especially in tournaments at 5,400. And then uh, Drew Brees, I think a lot of people are going to go to Jared Goff in that Seattle Rams game at 6,500 on DraftKings. Uh, I actually have Breeze ranked ahead of Goff right now uh, as my QB7, and I think he's going to be a lot lower owned than Goff. And this San Francisco defense, uh, really not quite the same. You you know, we saw Aaron Rodgers kind of torch it up. I know Sherman will be back, but Breeze at home, the implied point total is over 30 right now. Uh, I think that's a really good pivot off of Goff.
0: All right, a guy I'm high on, and uh, Ben, you mentioned him earlier, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I have him ranked number two overall. He has that you know, 33-point total, uh, implied total, the highest on the slate. He historically crushes at home, especially as a favorite. He's playing at a near MVP level, and the Jags have one of the league's worst pass defenses. On top of that, Alan Lazard uh, looks like this might be the week that he finally returns, and the Packers have three extra days to prepare because they played on Thursday night football. So everything just seems to align for a smash bot right here from Aaron Rogers. Uh Ben, I mentioned that I am low on Lamar Jackson, who is someone you are low on
1: a, a couple of guys here that I, I kind of just want to talk about as guys that I really like long-term, but I'm not probably going to use a lot of this week, but again, it kind of comes down to expectations. I think both, the rookies, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are guys that we should be expecting to have huge second halves and guys that we want to be long on down the stretch, but both are in kind of tough spots this week. Herbert's traveling to Miami, traveling, you know, obviously west to east. I, I believe that's in the later time block. So, you know, he doesn't have the the early body clock game, but it's still, not, you know, a long travel week, not a, not a great setup on the road. And Burroughs is is even tougher at Pittsburgh. So those are two guys that I'm probably not going to be using a lot this week, but uh, are two guys that I absolutely love, uh, you know, the rest of the way.
2: Sean, who are you low on? Uh, So Ryan Tannehill plays Thursday night. So this is more of a season long uh, low on kind of guy, but I have him ranked as my QB 19. So, um, you know, if you have him and you lean on him as your QB one, I would look for a one week rental. Can't play him against the Colts. You know, they've allowed the fewest points against opposing QBs. And Tannehill's been struggling the past couple of games, specifically when under pressure. Um, so I'll be fading him this weekend, you know, season long leagues. And then the other guy is Aaron Rodgers. And, and I agree with everything you said, Freeman. I, I view Aaron Rodgers. This price is for cash games. He's probably worth every single penny because he probably has the highest floor this week. But, you know, I think they're up to 14-point favorites now. So I think his ceiling might be capped against the Jaguars. I just don't see him going completely bonkers. So I would say if – if you're going to take a guy in this price range for GPPs, I would lean on Kyler Murray or Josh Allen. I just think their ceilings are much, much higher. But again, you know, I love Aaron Rodgers this week. I think he's a great cash game play, but, you know, for seven and 100 for, for GPPs, it's a little bit too pricey for me.
3: Rayvon, who are you fading? So Teddy Bridgewater uh, going against Tampa Bay. You know, we saw Drew Brees rip up Tampa Bay's defense last week, somewhat unexpectedly, you know, and Teddy had a pretty good game against KC. So I think people may be kind of on him, in what somewhat of a high total game, but uh, I think that Tampa Bay is going to come on a lot more focused this week after really kind of sleepwalking through two straight primetime games. You know, everyone's kind of talking about them. Um, Bruce Arians has called out both sides of the ball. So uh, I think this will be a tough matchup for Teddy Bridgewater going against still one of the best defenses in the week. So I have him outside the top 12 this week.
0: Okay. It is a time for, I don't know if I'd say everyone's favorite part of the show, but uh, certainly the part of the show that uh, I look forward to. And that is telling Sean that he is wrong. Sean, give us the first quarterback prop. And by the way, people should check out the Fantasy Labs player prop tool, uh, where the props with the bet quality of 10 have a 60% win rate over the past two years. And when player props are posted on Friday and Saturday, you can bet them at BetMGM. Sean, give us the quarterback prop. (laughs)
2: Well, you guys talked about him quite a bit earlier, but I really want to nail down his passing yard projection and that's Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, he's only top 200 yards three times this year. So he's pretty reminiscent of 2018 Lamar Jackson, not 2019. So curious to hear where you guys are on him early in the week, but uh, I have his over under right now at two hundred and seven and a half and passing yards. Are you guys above or below that?
0: Okay, Sean, I'm just going to say my projection is over at two hundred and twelve, but I know you want me to take over. I'm going to take the under here.
2: I'm not trying to trick. I'm trying to get my projection right. So there's there's no trickery afoot here. Okay. well, I
0: I have it (laughs) projected at two hundred and twelve. That's more of the mean versus the uh, the median. So I'm going to I'm going to take under here.
3: I will go over. I have it at 218. I mean, mm-hmm. Joe Flacco just threw for 262 yards and three touchdowns against the, the Patriots. I'm not super concerned about the, you know, the matchup. I think it, it, the, the combined passing yard prop, I think, is interesting because you have Cam Newton on the other side. He also doesn't throw for many yards. <laughs> so, I think that's interesting. But, yeah, I'm going over. I'm, 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 I'm bounce, betting on some regression for uh, uh, Lamar as they get kind of – comfortable with you know they're they're playing duvernay more they're they'll probably work des in a little more west snaps for boykin which is probably a good thing at this point so yeah i'm taking the over
1: i'll take the over too yeah i i like a lot of what raybon said and i think new england uh will play a little bit better this week at home than, than what we saw from from them against the jets on monday night um and keep it at least a little bit competitive i also think the ravens want to get that that passing game kind of figured out a little bit so the they've been kind of pushing the ball down the field, not connecting as much as you'd like to see. Um, I, I think they can hit on a couple big ones.
0: One thing I would add here is there is the possibility of Stefan Gilmore returning in this game. He's been absent the past two games. So uh, that might change things just a little bit. If he's able to return. The NFL season is upon us and our friends at BetMGM sports are offering action network podcast listeners, a great signup offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Uh, Let's talk about the running backs. Ben, the guys at the top of our rankings right now, we have Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Chase Edmonds. How do you see the top of the running back position this week?
1: Yeah, I think Cook and Kamara definitely belong. And obviously, if if Christian McCaffrey's healthy and good to go, I I, I mean for for me, it would be a pretty clear top three, which would include McCaffrey. Uh, he returned to a pretty significant you know share of the work, caught a bunch of passes. He's obviously banged up. Uh, we don't know if he's going to play or not. Uh, and then the other guy, I think I might. Take over Edmonds if McCaffrey is out as Aaron Jones. We talked about the fourteen point uh, home favorite line for Green Bay. Jones played plenty when he came back this week. Think he's you know certainly looked healthy enough, and that was on Thursday night. He's got ten days to get to get right since you know from from that point forward. Um, got gotta really like him at home against the Jacksonville Rundy.
0: Yeah, uh, Ben, really good point about McCaffrey. Uh, people should be sure to monitor his injury status as we progress throughout the week. Uh, if he ends up being healthy, if he practices in full on Friday, say, then uh, I imagine he will be in our top three uh, by the time we adjust our rankings. And uh, yeah, Aaron Jones, certainly in in the top five for us. Um, who? besides Aaron Jones uh, and some of the guys you mentioned there, uh, are you relatively high on, do you think, next to the consensus?
1: Yeah, I mean, Edmonds is another one that you got to love. You mentioned he played 96% of the snaps, just a a monster role. Um, But – Beyond beyond sort of these top guys, I, I'm really hoping we finally get Duke Johnson. Uh, you know, in this workhorse role, we've talked about it for you know it feels like two decades. He actually pretty much played like a workhorse this week. David Johnson went out early, only played 11% of the snaps, and Duke was in there for uh, 81% of the snaps. He caught, I believe it was four passes. He got a one-yard touchdown run, so he was uh, you know being used in all the different phases of the game that you like to see. And now you have this high total spot. At Cleveland, revenge game narrative. You got to love Duke Johnson if he gets the chance to start it, if David Johnson can't come back from that concussion. And then with stealing signals, I, I'm, I'm kind of digging into, you know, a lot of the deeper trends. A couple kind of stealing signals-y guys this week to watch. Um, well, well, really one. The other one's kind of kind of a long, a long shot. But I, it would not surprise me if DeAndre Washington played the full Gaskin role in his first game with the Dolphins. It was pretty surprising to see Sylvan Ahmed – Uh, a a rookie UDFA uh, lead the team in snaps. They just do not seem to like Jordan Howard at all. We've kind of got that impression all season. They didn't use Patrick Laird very much. Um, And I I suspect if Washington is, you know, he wasn't able to be activated last week because of the, the COVID protocols. If he's able to be activated this week, I suspect that it might mean that Ahmed is deactivated, uh, you got to keep an eye out on Matt Brita as well, who had a hamstring injury, but if Brita is not healthy um, or even if he's you know starting, but it seems like he's going to still be in kind of a limited role, it would not be all that surprising to see Washington in his first game with Miami playing over 50% of the snap. So that's one that I'm monitoring the practice reports throughout the week. He could be kind of a cheap uh, a DFS guy. And then the other one that, that I threw out there was uh, Ryan Nall. We don't know what's going to happen with David Montgomery's concussion as well, but uh, after he left, Ryan Nall kind of played as the running back and, and earlier in the year, Tariq Cohen went down. Cordero Patterson's package didn't really expand. They just gave David Montgomery all those snaps. It seems like he's sort of just a, um, a, you know, the the gadget player. They're not necessarily going to expand him. So there's a possibility that we get Ryan Nall min-priced as you know a, a home, actually home dog against Minnesota, but a reasonable play at such a cheap price. Who who probably could catch some passes. He caught four passes late this past week.
0: Uh, i love both of those calls washington especially but i mean no, I, I mean anytime you talk to me about a fullback who has the opportunity of, of playing playing some running back and a guy who produced in college like actually had legit running back production in college uh and as you say uh he he caught passes in in the fourth quarter there and was actually a pretty decent receiving back in college so uh, i think has a better skill set than people would in an, would anticipate for someone who now is you know quote unquote just a fullback he's someone who actually is intriguing and you know we just We have no idea how that role is going to play out, so there's some potential there. Rayvon, I'm uh, kicking it to you first for running backs. Who do you like?
3: Well, first of all, I think at the top of the board, you're getting Aaron Jones 10-10. 11 K cheaper than Kamara and 19 K cheaper than Christian McCaffrey Uh, against that Jags run defense. Jones very well could be the number one uh, running back on the slate this week. So I love him at, on the high end and on the low end, this is another one that's kind of in the vein of, uh, you know, what Ben was talking about in that chargers uh, Miami game on the Miami side, but uh, on the Chargers side, depending on, you know, the status of Justin Jackson and the status of Troy Main Pope, uh, we might get a Caitlin Balazs revenge game. Uh, he <laughs> played over Joshua Kelly. They seem to kind of want to leave Joshua Kelly in this like certain role that, you know, it's like 30 to 40% of the, of the work. And uh, you know, whoever's in there is going to split the rest of it. So uh, if those two guys are out I'm fully behind this Balazs uh, revenge game uh, in Miami. Guys, if Duke Johnson goes off in a revenge game and Kalen Balazs
0: goes off in a revenge game in the same week, uh, I'm just uh, I'm going to be very
3: satisfied. Hey, I, hey don't, I, don't I, forget yeah. the, J, the, the J.D. McKissick revenge game, Washington and Detroit. Oh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> so we got three and they're all priced back to back. They're all literally 50, 50, <laughs> 49. You could get all three in on a running back, running back flex.
2: Oh, this is this is too good. <laughs> Sean, who are you high on? So I'm going back to the Chase Edmonds. Well, this week, I'm sure a lot of people are, but you know, last week he was, he was pretty chalky and he underperformed. I would say, despite seeing 25 carries. Um, So, you know, he's going to see a massive workload again. Um, And, you know, he ran around on 75% dropbacks, which was actually a little bit higher than I was even projecting. So, I mean, he has massive, massive ceiling at this kind of usage. So I'm going to stick with him this week and hopefully people jump off the train a little bit too early here. Um, but the other guy is uh, JD McKissick. And, you know, I get to add in that hashtag uh, hashtag revenge game narrative as well. So thanks Raybon. Uh, but, you know, he ran around on 76% of the dropbacks, saw 13 targets, nine receptions. I don't exactly expect that kind of production again this week, but, you know, Alex Smith loves dumping it off to him. And this was clear when Alex Smith came in, I, think, I believe it was week five. I mean, JD McKissick, uh, was targeted five times and he was responsible for 27 of alex smith's uh 37 uh, passing yards so he loves dumping it off to jd mckissick so i think this could be a trend we see going forward with alex smith under center and you know with alex smith under center going forward i think it's you know slam dunk right now that he's going to come back play the year but you know we should see a similar game script this week so i don't see any reason why mckissick won't be heavily used um in the passing game so i love him on a Full PPR like DK at 4,900 uh, bucks.
0: McKissick about to get that uh, Jamal Charles passing game usage. It's uh, going to be something to behold. Uh, and Sean, I'm with you on Edmonds. I have him ranked number one, which I mean, honestly oh. might, might be, I mean, I'll say it, it's aggressive. <laughs> I know, I know it feels aggressive, but given the usage he had last week yeah. and the fact that their home favorites It's a high-scoring game, uh, a high total, and that matchup going against a Bills defense that literally is dead last in PFF run grade. Uh, If we see Edmonds get something close to the usage that he got last week, I mean, I think he could totally smash because he really is the only back there that they are going with. I mean, you could see how Aaron Jones easily ends up as the number one back on the slate. That's, I mean, you know, something that you could see happening, but at the same time, you have Jamal Williams there who could steal some of those carries in, in a blowout game. If there's a blowout, I mean, I think it's it's Chase Edmonds is the guy who massively benefits. So uh, I am very high on him this week. Ben, who is someone that you are low on?
1: I'll take James Robinson. Uh, love him. He's been fantastic. Uh, you know, in any kind of season-long, of, you know, sense that that he was basically free this off season, and then certainly been great for DFS as well. But we didn't see him catch a pass last week. He did get targeted twice, but you know, Rayvon hit on it. Jake Luton, Luton was throwing downfield a lot more. That eight point five yard uh, average throw depth, and then uh, Minshew's been about a yard lower all season and, and particularly loves to just kind of dump it off in those late game situations. What's interesting with Robinson is he's been racking up quite a, a bit of catches for a guy who's actually not running a ton of routes as a percentage of dropbacks most of the time. And I think a lot of that had to do with these dump offs in late game situations. And then in week seven, his his routes jumped way up to, to 69% of dropbacks with Chris Thompson out, but Thompson came back last week. Uh, Robinson's routes per drop back, drop back down to 51%, still, a, you know, a solid share for a number one running back, but certainly not the the high number that we've been seeing. And now with Luton in at quarterback and you talk about, okay, he's a, he's a two touchdown road dog. So the, the rushing opportunity might not be where, where we're hoping it to be. I just don't really love the, the whole scenario for
3: him. Ray who are you low on? Uh, going with the, uh, San Francisco backs this week. Uh, that's kind of a hard backfield to determine on a week-to-week basis. Jarrett McKinnon played ahead of Jermichael Hasty last week, but this Saints defense is up to number four in run defense DVOA. You know, we saw the, the Bucs essentially have to abandon the run game completely against them last week, and they are 10-point favorites in this one. And, you know, it's just so hard to predict Uh, what's going to happen in Shanahan's backfield. One week it's McKinnon, one week it's hasty. Next time McKinnon's like got tired legs. So um, I think that's just going to be a risky situation all season. Maybe even, you know, Moser comes back. So it's just going to be really tough to, to figure out. So I'm off the San Fran backs.
2: Sean, who do you dislike? Well, I dislike Devin Singletary uh, this weekend, sort of going forward. Uh, He's my running back 31. So, you know, he's outside of the RB2 value and more of a flex sit-start decision where I'm leaning towards the sit in all formats. I mean, he hit rock bottom last week. He saw two carries for one yard. Uh, Zach Moss seems to be taking over more of the early down work. And, you know, Singletary, he's been getting a bit more of the passing down work. But, you know, 48% routes run per drop back with Josh Allen's QB is, you know, two to three catches a week kind of production you're going to get. He's not really going to see goal line work between Zach Moss and Josh Allen. He's sort of the third wheel in that regard. So, you know, going forward, Devin Singletary's value has, you know, fallen significantly over the past couple weeks. Um, and the other guys, I you know, I'm not low on them because I love the matchup and I love them, <laughs> literally, uh, is Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. I mean, they're, they're both 6'800 this week. And, you know, I just think when they're both active, it, it really lowers their floor and ceiling. So it's hard to really pick one. You know, I'm expecting Nick Chubb to return this week. If for some reason he's, he's out again, Kareem Hunt will be, you know, a free square against this Texans defense. But just with them both active, it's, it's hard to trust either one, um, despite the, you know, dream matchup this week against the Texans.
0: And right, One guy I am low on uh, and I want to contextualize it a little bit I, is James Connor. I have him at number 10. So it's not as if I'm really all that low on him, but um, thinking if Roethlisberger is out because of the knee or because of the COVID situation, uh, I think it will be a tough, uh, a tough game for uh, Connor. I think there will, there will be fewer touchdown opportunities. We kind of saw that uh, that Pittsburgh offense last year, when it was shackled to a quarterback other than Ben Roethlisberger uh, and it just wasn't uh it wasn't a situation that overall was positive for really anyone in the offense. So if in fact, we do see Ben Roethlisberger out this week, uh, you know, there kind of might be this narrative of, uh, Hey, they're going to be more, more carries for James Conner, And that actually might end up being the case. But I think we've kind of seen that story play out uh, recently with Ezekiel Elliott, where uh, a quarterback is out and it looks like, okay, let's pivot to the running back. And that just ends up not being something that's fruitful. Uh, I could see that with James Conner. So something something just to keep in mind. I, I still like him, but uh, more as a low-end uh, running back one instead of what I think will probably be more of a consensus-y, like mid-range RB1 ranking for him. Sean, give us the running back player prop.
2: So I, I love this one because uh, a guilty pleasure of mine is projecting running backs that are just going ballistic. Uh, if you recall, you know, during the playoffs last year, I think it was, we were debating Derrick Henry's prop of being like 120 to 130 <laughs> rushing yards. So this week we're going with Dalvin Cook, who's coming off 163-yard and now a 206-yard rushing game. Um, so I don't even know if I could set this line high enough, but I'll try. Uh, fortunately, he's playing the Bears. So we might be able to slow him down, but I have his rushing projection right now at 96.5.
0: I will take the under. I have it at 94 and a half. So we're (laughs) we're very close.
1: I'll I'll go under as well. I'm always going to be the guy that fades rushing efficiency, especially long runs. He's hit on some big ones. Dalvin Cook is so good at football, though. It's really hard to take the under on anything with this guy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I have it at 98. So Friedman's two yards (laughs) under, I'm two yards over. Uh, But hey, man, like this is one of those games where you don't expect – it to get away from Minnesota on the other side. Like you don't expect Chicago to put up a ton of points, which a lot of teams have actually done on Minnesota uh, uncharacteristically, you know, for them. Uh, but when that's the case, they run even more. And so I think, you know, cook, maybe he's not quite as efficient, but I actually think he could be above, uh, you know, his, his cat, right. He could be in that same range that he's been in the last two weeks where he's averaged, uh, 26 carries like I I think he could get there again just because of the game script Chicago's not gonna you know run away with the game
0: all right let's look at these wide receivers and Ben the guys we have at the top of our rankings Devontae Adams Stefan Diggs Tyler Lockett Uh, I think you could make a case for a few other guys who could be in the top three how do you see the top of the board this week
1: the guy that I really want to drill into is Michael Thomas he had a pretty easy five for 51 game uh, in a game that the breeze that, that breeze spread it around at a pretty historic right? they're you know, talking about that over the broadcast that however many different guys caught the caught pass. I think he ended up breaking an NFL record or something, but like everybody, the water boy caught a pass and they absolutely dominated. They took the air out of the ball a little bit. Now they get San Francisco at home. It's a, a good week to be on, on new Orleans. Uh, you know, some of their key pieces, we, you know, somebody mentioned breeze a little bit earlier as a, a solid play Thomas, is now going up against this defense that just had uh, 10 catches put on them by Devontae Adams, 12 by D.K. Metcalf the week before, 14 by DeAndre Hopkins back in week one. They've given up double-digit catches to a lot of these elite number one type receivers. Just sort of a reminder on Michael Thomas's upside, like he didn't play a ton in week 17 last year. He had not a great wild card game, but prior to that, through week 16 of last season, he closed – the season with at least eight catches and a hundred yards in eight of nine games, uh, TDs in six of them. You know, if you're looking at like uh, DK scoring particularly, it is just crazy how, how quickly he can get up there and scoring when he can catch eight to 10 balls and hit that hundred yard bonus. He can hit 25 points easily without even scoring a touchdown. And then if you add in one, two touchdowns on top of that, he can completely break a slate. So I'm certainly going to have Michael Thomas uh, exposure this week. Anyone
0: who's a little bit lower down that you think you, were, you will still be relatively high on this week?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, Jarvis Landry in that high total game we talked about against Houston, he had 44% of the targets in that week eight win game before the buy. Uh, it was, I think it was 11 targets. They, you know, it wasn't a, a great atmosphere for passing. He had a touchdown overturned on a, like a kind of a diving play, but with Odo Beckham out, there's a lot of opportunity in the Cleveland pass offense. This looks like a game where they will throw a little bit more than they usually do. And I expect Landry to get back to being sort of this high target guy that we've seen, In his past, he's a really good like season-long buy low right now. Where there was a lot of focus on Rashard Higgins and some other guys after after Beckham went down. Uh, Richie James had this monster Thursday night game. Now we have Kendrick Bourne back on the COVID list. We might get Debo Samuel back. We will get Brandon Ayuk back for San Francisco, but they still don't have Kittle. They still have a huge target vacuum. Um, And Debo, even when he's been healthy, has basically been playing a bit role. I mean, they've been almost all of his touches have been on these jet motion tip passes. Uh, and not at 100%. I don't think he's somebody that's going to really affect the downfield passing target shares. That's where Richie James was really good this past week. If he's in that Kendrick Bourne role, that third wide receiver role, even with Debo in the lineup, I think he's a really good cheap uh, kind of punt DFS option, and, and we can go back to that well after he put up over 30 points. Um, really good correlation play with Michael Thomas, too, or Kamara. I, you know, I like getting in, into that game that way. And then another one is uh, DJ Chark. Uh, we just talked about again the, the the downfield passing from Luton. It's not a great matchup necessarily, but he locked onto Chark. We saw uh, a top five air yards figure from Chark this week. That's a huge key to his you know potential to to put up these splash weeks. Is the air yards, the downfield passing matchup not being great? I still like Chark. I'm still you know bullish on Chark going forward because of of the quarterback switch.
0: Um, ben on Twitter uh, after Richie James went off and, and did what he did on Thursday Night Football. Uh, you know, I started doing some research and, and posting some things on Twitter and uh, I'm, I'm sort of joking when I say this, but I'm sort of serious, uh, you know, based on what Richie James did in college. Uh, and also, I mean, I don't, I don't want to count like high school numbers or anything, but, you know, sort of like the, the type of player that he is. And you can see that in his college numbers, his type of production, Uh, based on his athletic testing and then analyzing his NFL production. He doesn't have much of it yet, but he's been pretty efficient uh, when he's been getting his opportunities uh, and he's a a pretty good return man. You know, you put all of those things together and I would say that he has maybe a 2% chance of turning into a low key version of uh, awesome Antonio Brown. Do you think that that 2% number is too high or too low?
1: I think probably too. high. That was building to a crescendo and ending on Antonio Brown was pretty fantastic. I don't, I don't know if, you know, one out of 50 times Richie James is going to have Antonio Brown type ceiling, but I certainly think everything you just said is uh, a reason to be bullish on, on, on James going forward.
2: Okay. Sean, who are you relatively high on? Uh, I'm pretty high on uh, KJ Hammer this week for GPPs. Um, He's 3,800 this week. He faces the Raiders. Uh, And it does look like he's starting to break out now that he's healthy. Uh, You know, he flashed a lot of his potential last week with his six catches for 75 yards and even got a carry for 15. Saw 10 targets. I think Drew Locke has also looked pretty good the the past two games. His confidence looks like it's there. So uh, I kind of want to buy low on KJ Hamler before the inevitable really big breakout game. So I think he's worth a flyer at 3,800. Uh, like I said, against this this easy matchup against the Raiders, um, and the other guy I mentioned him earlier is uh, John Brown. You know, he's he's back in the wide receiver three discussion, certainly in play in GPPs at 5,300. He finally appears to be healthy again. Uh, he saw 10 targets last week, got eight, eight catches for 99 yards. You know, he's a sneaky s- stack with Josh Allen. Uh, obviously, Allen and Diggs is the way to go. But, you know, if you want to be a little bit contrarian, you can stack uh, Allen with John Brown. Uh, and, you know, this is a hashtag revenge game at Arizona. So uh, a nice little bonus there. But, um, yeah, I love Brown this week. Uh, Love the call on
0: KJ Hamler. Uh, Fantastic matchup against uh, slot cornerback LaMarcus Joyner for the Raiders, who uh, just allows seemingly every target in his direction to be completed. Uh, Chris, who are you relatively high on?
3: Uh, So I like Jerry Judy again this week in that same game. Um, I like Hamler too, but Judy has been, you know, really establishing a rapport with Drew Locke, uh, you know, double-digit targets in back-to-back games, first 100-yard game last week, and he's still pretty cheap at 5,600 on DraftKings. So uh, I think he's going to – he might be the chalk uh, this week, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, I think you know he, every every reason to be um, in lineups this week is in cash. And then uh, going down the list, I think an interesting kind of tournament player, a guy that if you need some upside in your fantasy lineups, uh, Jalen Rager. You know, 4,200, uh, a guy that, you know, came back, ran about 70% of the routes last week. Um, but that who's that was his first game back from injury. When he played his second straight game earlier in the year, um, it's the only time he's done that. He was up to 84% of the routes. And you would expect that because he's the outside guy. Ward is the uh, slot guy. And you're going against the Giants. The Giants have had issues all season long at that number two corner spot. Ryan Lewis, uh, they benched, uh, I think it was, yeah. Uh, Isaac or I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but they've had a revolving door at number two, and uh, Bradbury's playing well, at, you know, so he'll probably be on Fulgium. So uh really like Jalen Rager as kind of a sneaky uh, tournament play this week.
0: All right, Ray, Rayvon, to your point on uh, Jerry Judy, he's really progressed in the last couple of weeks and it's coincided with them moving him out of the slot and into the perimeter. Uh, and it, it's sort of like what we saw out of Justin Jefferson uh, in, in mm-hmm. week three, uh, when he moved from the slot to the perimeter, uh, it's just really opened up Judy's game uh, and he's being targeted much more aggressively now, which uh, is, is awesome. And in fact, that connection is actually to the point where Jerry Judy is now number eight uh, overall in air yards and yards after the catch catch combined on a per game basis and like that's up there with like guys who are at the top in the league you know like Devonte adams dk metcalf uh terry mclaurin calvin ridley tyree kill stefan Diggs. those are the top six so like this is a metric that like actually kind of has some forward looking significance if a guy is popping in this like the odds are pretty good that he's going to end up putting up some fantasy points so uh jerry judy i'm i'm with you there he really is intriguing this week um Another guy uh, that I, that I like quite a bit is uh, Terry McLaurin, who's uh, who's number three on that list of uh, of air yards and yards after the catch combined um, at Detroit pass defense is simply not good. Uh, McLaurin is just a total dominator in terms of the way that he's being used in that Washington offense. And I honestly don't think I might be wrong about this, but I don't think that the switch from Kyle Allen to Alex Smith is going to be that big of a hindrance. Uh, It might be something that helps him a little bit. Maybe he has a quarterback who's a little more accurate in getting the ball to him. But I, I mean, I just, I think that McLaurin is basically quarterback proof at this point in the way that, Uh, Deandre Hopkins for years was quarterback proof, unless he had someone incredibly bad throwing to him in Houston. Uh, McLaurin just seems so talented that, uh, I think the quarterback almost doesn't matter. So McLaurin is a guy I like quite a bit. Uh, Ben, I fear that you're going to come in and be like, you know what? One guy I am low on is Terry McLaurin. And let me tell you why, but who are you low on this week?
1: No, definitely not low on him, but I it is uh it's a a very, you know, qualified one. This is a guy I'm going to play in DFS. I'm going to start everywhere that I have him. Obviously, he's one of our top guys for the entire week. But I do think I'm a little bit lower than where I expect uh, DeAndre Hopkins ownership to to wind up. It's sort of some of it is going to be a numbers game because I want to have exposure to Michael Thomas. I want to have exposure to several of these other top Uh, receivers we talked about um but even when i'm game stacking this game i think i prefer Diggs on the other side it's not necessarily a knock on hopkins but i think his production has been a little bit a little bit up and down we have kirk coming back um this past week you know was was obviously hopkins worst game uh against dallas he had a long catch and run late that that helped him uh wind up with a two for 73 line but it was it was looking like a, a down game He's had a couple of these games where the Arizona offense is resembling more closely kind of what some of us thought coming in, which was a more spread offense that the target share would be more spread out. And again, with with Kirk playing well lately and coming on, um, I'm I'm just and and then also, you know, I'm high on Chase Edmonds this week, taking up a large share of their offensive production. It's just sort of a thing where I I wind up a little lower on Hopkins. I'm not happy about it. I'm probably going to get burnt.
0: Well, Ben, uh, I don't know if this is a good or bad. It's probably a bad sign. Let's be honest, but uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. Hopkins is the guy that I was going to highlight. I have him ranked number 11 uh, in our rankings. And as you say, his volume has tailed off since Christian Kirk returned in week four. Uh, he has a tough matchup against Tredavious White, who uh, has struggled a little bit this year, but I think is still one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And we saw last week with Xavier Howard, who is being used uh, for the most part in shadow coverage on DeAndre Hopkins uh we saw kyler murray exhibit the willingness to kind of take what the defense would give him and put the ball elsewhere. Uh, and if White is able to do a good enough of a job against Hopkins, I think we could see, again, a similar situation where Kyler Murray just takes what the defense gives him, doesn't force it to DeAndre Hopkins and goes, goes elsewhere. Uh, I still think of him as a, a wide receiver one. You know, he's still in the top 12, but more of a lower end wide receiver one, as opposed to, you know, the, the top five guy that he typically is. Sean. Who are you low on?
2: Um, I'm actually low on Michael Thomas. He's he's my wide receiver 11, so obviously he's a must start in season-long leagues. But at 7,400, I just can't get there in DFS. You know, the Saints made it a point to spread it around last week. I, I think they had, what, 12? different uh pass catchers so that's that's a problem for a guy like Thomas who kind of relies on volume he's never been a huge touchdown guy you know um, compared to you know his massive volume or yards per catch so that's a big concern for me they're favored by about 10 points this week so I, I just don't see them giving Thomas a ton of targets here so it's gonna be another week for me to get him you know inside my top five I think um, and the other guy I'm low on is Travis Folgum he definitely deserves to be you know once his top target going forward. I just think that, you know, Dallas Goddard and Jalen Rager returned before the bye. They probably weren't hundred percent healthy. They should be much better coming out of the bye. And then we might be getting Alshon Jeffrey this week. I think I've said that every week so far, but I think when he returns that, that's just going to lower Fulgham's target share just a bit. And I think he's been relying on that, uh, you know, to, to be a wide receiver too. But I, I think going forward, he's going to be more of a low on wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Once all these pass catchers get healthy.
3: Raymond, who are you low on? Darius Slayton. Uh, Slayton is a guy who is going to get blanketed by Darius Sway in this Philly game. Philly's allowing uh, thirty-six point nine schedule adjusted yards per game to wide receiver ones, uh, not ideal. And then uh, another guy is Henry Ruggs, the third, just not getting the the targets that we need him to get. And Denver has actually been. Pretty good. Um, You know, we'll see if they get their cornerbacks healthy, but um, I just don't see Derek Carr kind of testing his defense down the field when he's having success underneath with guys like Waller and and Nelson Aguilar. So uh, Henry Ruggs, even though he's running a good amount of routes, um, just I don't think he's usable right now.
2: All right, Sean, give us the prop.
3: I'm going with Cooper
2: Cup receiving yards. He's a guy where, you know, he's my wide receiver eight right now, and I'm worried that the next projection sweep I do, he'll be my top five. So I need you guys to kind of temper my expectations here. But uh, I, I have his overrunner at 73 and a half receiving yards.
0: The problem is that I have Cooper Cup as my number two wide receiver. Oh, okay. Perfect. So (laughs) that's not going to (laughs) help. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to help you temper your expectations, but he's got like a 26% target share. Um, And you know, it's, it's a game that's probably going to be high scoring. He could be going against the number three cornerback, uh number three slot cornerback, let me rephrase that, uh for for the Seahawks. So it, it could be like one of the best matchups that any wide receiver has yeah. on the slate. Uh and he had twenty one targets uh the week the week before the buy so uh yeah. yeah i will i will take the over there uh unfortunately Good. because i Good. i know i'm being very fishy here but uh man that that 26 market share and the matchup uh just it really pushes the projection for me
1: i agree i, I agree I, I don't think you're being fishy at all i think it's an easy over i mean I the seattle for the season is such a fantastic matchup for receivers and there's a bunch of reasons for that but it's going to continue. They're they, they are passing with intent. I talked about the early down pass rate over expectation stat earlier. That is such an important stat for the teams that are willing to, uh, you know, throw the ball. Obviously they're, they're passing with intent, but that leads to not just like more efficiency because passing is more efficient. It leads to more plays because in completion, stop the clock. It leads to more fantasy production for the whole offense across the board. And then Seattle also can't stop anything. So, you know, we know this about Seattle, but I love, uh, and then you're you're talking about third third string slot cornerback. I mean come on you, you gotta love the over.
3: yeah, so I agree I'm going over for all the reasons uh Ben and Friedman just mentioned ninety seven percent of the routes two three games ago and then ninety one then ninety eight everyone was con- kind of concerned about Tyler Higbee and his role, but Cooper cup is running the most routes on the team. Now he's up to 92% for the season. Only one time in the last six games was he under 91% uh, of the routes per dropback. So uh, he's going to be in the game. And I have Jared Goff projected for about, about one and a half attempts more than he usually throws just because the mm-hmm. Seattle defense has been um, kind of forcing, you know, they put play a shootout style. So they're forcing teams to pass more and that's where they're vulnerable. They're really good at run defense uh, is Seattle. So I doubt McVeigh is going to try to like go crazy with the run game in this one, which is what they've been doing. So there's actually potential for even more because the Rams haven't been uh, passing much aside from that, that last game
2: top five here we come you guys didn't help he's going there yeah but i i think you know he's coming off that 20 target game but he had the buy in between so hopefully that limits the amount of point chasers that would be correct in chasing the points here but yeah hopefully his ownership isn't too ridiculous because he did have that buy to kind of you know have people cool off on him a bit
0: yeah sean sometimes we'll have three people go against you and you're totally fine with that position, is that a situation like no, that now,
2: no, that, or do you feel like no, like it was, it was a line that was too low? That- this helps, honestly. This helps me um, be a little bit more confident moving him inside my top five. I don't think. Where'd you have him number two? No, I don't two. think. I don't <laughs> think he'll be that high, but he'll be he'll be in the top five after this.
3: I have him six. I have him six. So I still have yeah. five guys ahead of him. But um, you know, just kind of when you put his routes run together against the rest of his teammates, because remember, you he's only really competing with like Robert Woods. <laughs> like like the rest of these guys aren't getting yeah. heavily targeted. So.
0: All right, let's talk about these tight ends. And uh, I feel like by week ten every year, you know, there's this statement of like, "Oh, tight end, it's it's a real wasteland." But it really is a wasteland. Uh, you have Darren Waller uh, at, at the top of the rankings, uh, and then after that, I think you can make a case for like ten different guys to to be in the top three. But Ben, we have it Waller, uh, and then Hunter Henry and T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, I mean really how do you how do you see the top three at the position this week
1: yeah i mean with kelsey out um i think those guys and then you could probably make a case for noah fant as well but the one that i'm that i'm gonna be you know having my top three is dallas goddard i mean i, I think probably have him second I, i'm just really bullish on on him right now um you know, we know that Fulgham has been very good and, and Rager's back as well, but I, I just have to believe that Goddard, you know, with Ertz out is going to be seeing a, a pretty significant target share. I feel like he's got a, a, one of the stronger floors at a, at a wasteland position. Like you said, you know, Hawkinson fan, those guys I love long-term. We're just not seeing them consistently produce in a way that makes you know, me feel comfortable about their floor at all. And then, you know, Henry is seeing the volume, but also not necessarily con- consistently producing A lot of these guys are are tough to trust Uh, Goddard. You know, for me, it's kind of a gut feeling. I don't really have like a a big reason for it because he's been out for a while, but feels
3: like he's the safest.
0: All right, Rayvon, I'm kicking it to you first for tight ends.
3: Who do you like? Uh, well, I'm sure Sean's gonna hate this, but uh, going back to Evan Ingram, Freeman mentioned it. It's a wasteland anyway. But you look at this matchup versus Washington, number 32 in DVOA against tight ends, uh, most schedule adjusted yards per game allowed to tight ends, 72.2 uh, per football outsiders, uh, and Evan Ingram's still running between you know 70 and 90, 77 and 95 percent of the routes in every game. You know he should be around 80 uh, at least, so. Um, I have him as a top 10 tight end. He's burned me before, but at the end of the day, there's not much to to speak of. And he has just, just the ridiculous matchup. Yeah.
0: He has to be in the top 10 just based on how much he's being targeted. But it's amazing that a guy who is being used like this is still underwhelming so much on a, a per target basis. I mean, he's God, what was it, like 5.2 yards per target this year? Uh, I mean, given how talented he is, that number just feels like an abomination. But, I mean, 9, 10, and 10 targets over his past three weeks. Like, that, that guy has to be locked into the top 10. Sean, who are you relatively high on?
2: Yeah, so this week at tight end is really interesting. You know, it's Waller number one, and then it's wide open for number two. And it's kind of embarrassing that Mark Andrews isn't even an option. He should be the number two uh, tight end here, but he's basically Darren Fells without the touchdowns now. So can't can't do that. But I I love the call by Ben. I I think Dallas Goddard definitely has top three upside this week. You know, he returned before their bye. He was a little bit rusty, but he did run a route on 74% of the, the routes per drop back. Um, I think, you know, he's going to come out of the bye pretty much 100%. So with uh, Zach Ertz still out, you know, sign me up for Dallas Goddard, especially at 4,200. I I think he has legit top three upside this week. And I want to be on him before, you know, he's back on everyone's radar as opposed to after. So I'll I'll have a ton of Goddard this week.
0: Uh, I like the cases that you guys made for Goddard and uh, you know, thinking about this, realizing I'm probably a little bit too low on him. I will, I will need to adjust him back up my rankings. Uh, the guy I have at number two is Gronk, which just feels so dirty, but he has a 16% target share since week three. Uh, and that's, that's been pretty consistent throughout that sample. No Kelsey, no Kittle fan is banged up. Um, you know, Johnu Smith has volume issues, uh, although like he seemingly scores a touchdown every week. I don't think that that's the kind of thing that uh, is necessarily projectable. So, uh, you know, in in a landscape uh, where everything is dead, uh, Gronk somehow is number two here for me. Uh, Ben, uh, anyone else at the position that you are relatively high on and then also tell us who you might be low on?
1: Yeah, I got two more guys that I like. Uh, One is Austin Hooper, who was was pretty, you know, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but gross in in his first few games with with Cleveland. He just wasn't seeing targets. Uh, But he had a three-game stretch with a 26% target share, five catches each week before he got hurt. And now I I think he's going to be back, right, coming out Mm -hmm. of the bye. Uh, Available targets again. Odell Beckham, very similar to the Landry point. I really like Hooper to be better than what we've seen so far going forward. And then Eric Ebron's the other one. He's running routes on at least 82% of dropbacks for three straight weeks. Uh, Pretty solid production, all three games. He hadn't hit 80% in any of the first five games. Steelers are doing some weird stuff here where they've started to run a decent chunk of no back sets, which has kind of hurt James Connor. I'm a little bit more down on, on Connor. They're using Ray, Ray McLeod more. They're doing four receivers and Eric Ebron, but it's, it's definitely helped Ebron as well. Be out in routes a ton, even with all the receivers they have there. So he's a guy that I think you can be higher on as well. That is, you know, going to be further down the list and is at least someone to have a little exposure to in DFS. So that there's at least some positive trends. There's not a lot of tight ends that we have positive stuff for. The guy I'm down on Freeman. This is the other one where, or I'm going away from you or against you. It's Gronk. Uh, he ran a season low 44% uh, routes per drop back. Now obviously they got smashed, but they went with a lot more four wide receiver sets. Antonio Brown immediately was. Uh, almost a full-time player ran routes on 80% of dropbacks. And then they continue to still mix in Scotty Miller and and use some four receiver sets, which cut into Gronk's role. It was a season low routes percentage for him by, by a decent chunk. And especially uh, since week three, where he he really started to be up over 60% of the routes every week. He was at 44% uh, this past week, season low in snaps. And there's just so many options now with Antonio Brown there and actually having a stable, looking like he's going to have a stable role. He played a ton of snaps and ran a ton of routes. It's I think it's gonna to be tough for Gronk to continue that target share.
0: That's fair. And to be honest, I, I really don't even care. Like there i because mean, there's a case to be made that Gronk could be tenth. This landscape of two to ten, it's almost interchangeable. I think it's fair. Chris, who are you low on?
3: Jared Cook. Jared Cook with Michael Thomas back, with Emmanuel Sanders back and Traquan Smith still playing. Uh, you know, running all most of the routes at wide receiver. Jared Cook is it's just going to be hard for him to get enough targets to, to hit if he doesn't score a touchdown. Last week, he ran a uh, second to the lowest amount of routes per dropback, just 54%. Uh, you had Adam Troutman running 30%, you had Josh Hill 27%. Uh, and you just kind of don't know with Sean Payton how that's always going to shake out. But Jared Cook really hasn't been a high volume route runner all year. He's kind of been stuck in that 50 to, to 70% range all year. And now you have Thomas, who's just such a target hog. When he's fully healthy, he can, you know, get 25 to 30% uh, targets per route run. And then you have Kamara, the same thing. That just doesn't leave enough uh, for Cook, who could be the, you know, conceivably the fifth option, even depending on, you know, Traquan Smith. So uh, low on Jared Cook this week. Sean, who are you low on? I'm low on Gronk
2: as well. And uh, basically every point Ben made, I was going to make, but yeah, the the routes run per drop back dipping the 44% is concerning, but it it certainly could be due to the blowout. They seems like the bucks abandoned their offense pretty much in the second quarter. So that could play into that. But, you know, with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, all active and healthy right now, it does cut into his target share. You know, which makes Gronk a touchdown or bust kind of guy. And he certainly does have the touchdown upside every week. So he's just more of a, you know, high-risk reward type of tight end. So I have him all the way down at tight end 11. But like you said, Freeman, it's wide open. Just the slightest change to any projection can send a guy up or down five slots. So uh, by the end of the week, we'll see. But uh, just Gronk's target share is definitely going to take a hit going forward.
0: Lesson learned. I need to adjust him down you're smart. I'm not. You're good looking. I'm not. Uh, The guy that I am low on. And by the way, this is the guy that I sort of blame this entire week on. It's Mark Andrews. Because normally in, in a week like this, you at least have like two guys that you can cling to, not like one guy and then just a whole bunch of trash. Like This should be the week where Mark Andrews is the clear number two. And the fact that he's not really infuriates me, uh, especially because he was so good in college, so good as a rookie and so good last year. And then he had the two touchdowns in week one. It's like, wh- what happened? Uh, this guy's not getting the yards. He's not getting the touchdowns. The Ravens are playing slower. They're not throwing at a high rate. There were fewer touchdown opportunities for the entire offense. And and that trickles down to Andrews. And you know that, that Patriots defense is not what it has been in previous years, but they are still notoriously tough against tight ends. Like that's the one area where their defense is still incredibly robust. Uh, And so on top of everything else that is specific to the Ravens, he has a tough matchup. Uh, And maybe that doesn't really matter all that much because he's still going to be one of the most heavily targeted players within his offense, but uh, it isn't something that uh, certainly helps him within this tight end landscape. Andrews, I have at number six, which uh, is a, a far cry from the number two ranking that he should have if everything were going as uh, it should be. Sean, give us the tight end prop.
2: So I don't think we mentioned this guy, but he's emerged out of the rebel to, to be my tight end too. So I need some help with this projection and that's Noah Fant. Um, you know, Albert O is out for the season. So Noah Fant should dominate these uh Tight end snaps going forward, uh, but he's been a little banged up himself. So curious to hear where you guys have him projected at. Uh, I have his over-under right now at 49 and a half receiving yards. I'll take the under.
0: Uh, I have it around forty two and a half, and a uh, And a lot of it simply does have to do with uh, the fact that he's banged up. And so I think we'll see fewer targets. He he saw fewer targets last week as they've kind of shifted more towards a wide receiver attack with Judy and then with the return of Tim Patrick and the development uh, of KJ Hamler. Uh, so I think they will focus, although I think Fant really might be the most talented of all of those guys. I think they're just going to focus more on the wide receivers because I, I do think that he is pretty banged up.
1: Yeah, I'll take the under two uh, for a lot of the reasons Friedman said. Each of the uh, of Judy Hamler and Patrick last week had at least nine targets and ninety six air yards. Judy had a lot more. So you have these three receivers that are all really involved. Whether it's Fan being banged up or not, I mean, he only had three catches last week in a game where the passing volume in the offense was was really spiked. I don't expect it to be as spiked this week at at Las Vegas. Although it is, you know, a reasonably high total, but. It's not going to be like the Atlanta game where they were chasing points and scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So if he only had three catches and and three targets in that environment, he's not a guy I really want to be on any overs right now.
3: I agree. I have him about three yards lower at 46. And I actually am projecting a little bit of a bump in routes run to about 78%. His season average is 71%. um, And that's because you have really no one behind him, but Nick Vanette as of now. So um, I think the tight end are still going to end up running, you know, 90 to 95% of the route. So I I do expect a bump, but uh, have him at 4.2 catches for 46 yards uh, and my TE5.
2: Great. If I lower him, that's, you know, TJ Hawkinson is my tight end too, which I don't love if Kenny Galladay is coming <laughs> back. So I don't know. I'll probably just end up with Dallas Goddard at number two. He's my guy. I'm going to stick with him, but yeah, it's, it's it's kind of a nightmare projecting tight end this week because it, it's scary, no matter who you have ranked uh, number two this week.
0: All right. So uh, Ben, give us uh, a little info on the newsletter. Uh, you said that you normally work on it on, uh, on Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, give us some, uh, some tasty little nuggets.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I'm writing it. I, I wrote the Thursday night football and early games newsletter yesterday. The 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 late Sunday games and Sunday night football and Monday night football will go out later today. We hit on a lot of the guys. I mean, that that definitely informs my takes for any time I'm on shows like this. But you know, Richie James, a guy that I'm still high on you guys talked about jd mckissick his snap share out of the bye rose to 83 percent even though Gibson's snap share stayed stayed reasonably similar so it was actually mckissick playing a lot more uh out of the slot and out wide it was the the most snaps he had outside the backfield in a game all season uh definitely like his you know ppr potential not a lot of touchdown equity with him obviously he only has one touch inside the 10-yard line all season but uh, certainly a guy that that can keep adding catches. We talked about Duke Johnson. We talked about DJ Chark with Jake Luton. Jerry Judy, we just talked about. You know, he's his, his role has continued to, to spike and his weighted op- opportunity rating is Whopper that the Josh mine talks about it has been over 0.75 for two weeks in a row, which is very strong. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of the things we already hit on today, but yeah, I mean, there's there's always a, a lot of little, little trends like that to uncover. I, I talk about them every week in the newsletter. You can find it at bengretsch.substack.com going through the signals and the noise and the things that you should you know pay attention to each week
0: all right everyone be sure to follow ben on twitter at yards progress you can follow sean chris and me in the action network app at the underscore odds maker chris Ravon and matt f the oracle use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free please subscribe to and rate and review the show and listen and download on spotify see you again next episode
2: we finished talking.